Ecclesiastes chapter 3 this evening, and just going to look at two verses tonight, just two verses tonight, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and starting in verse 16, look at verse 16, verse 17, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 16, over I saw under the sun the place of judgment, that wickedness was there, the place of righteousness, that iniquity, iniquity was there. I said in my heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked, for there is a time there for every purpose and for every work. Oh, Father, I pray you be with us tonight as we look into your word. Just these few verses, just a few thoughts tonight, for I pray, God, you'd help us. It's easy in life to look around and, and think that life's not fair. To see the wicked prosper, to see the unrighteous doing well, and think to ourselves, something must not be right. God must not be good. But, oh, God, we know you're good. <laughs> Your mercy endureth forever. God, we've given us so much. God, help us, Lord, when those thoughts, and those thoughts do come to every child of God. I pray, God, you'd help us when those thoughts come to replace those thoughts with your very word to remind us of your goodness. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Why isn't life fair? <clears throat> you ever thought that? You ever come across that Thought ever creeped across your cranial membranes? You ever thought about what? You look around at somebody, you see the wicked prospering? See the wicked folks in politics? We could lisp, but we're not going to lisp. <laughs> we could lisp, but we're not going to lisp. <laughs> we could talk about all the ills and the problems and, and go into all the issues that we've had the last three years and name names, and, but what's the point? I don't do any good. But there's a basic problem that every person struggles with is this idea that sometimes life isn't fair. I mean, one of the things that the devil tries to do to all of us is to get us to think that God isn't good. He, he does that. God's not good, God's not fair, or God does not care. All, all of them are all, all he, he'll, that's the thought. And if he gets you thinking that, he's got you. Before long, you won't be coming on Wednesday night. You won't be coming on Sunday night. You won't be coming on Sunday morning. You won't be tithing, and you definitely won't be giving the missions. That's exactly where the devil wants you to get you in your thought life because who, what you think is who you are. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. What you think about is who you are. So when you start thinking that, you immediately have to replace it, and there's nothing better to replace it with than the Word of God. But even Solomon, the wisest man that ever walked the earth, humanly speaking, had the same struggles. He had the same struggles. I remember as a kid, I struggled with that. I remember one time, <clears throat> I had these Star Wars men. <clears throat> I was six years old when Star Wars came out in 1977. Remember, my dad took me to an outdoor theater. Remember the old outdoor theaters? Took me to the outdoor theater. I sat on top of the car, and I can't remember what car it was. I sat on top of the car and watched it. Remember that. So, you know, naturally as a kid, one of the things I would want was Star Wars, man. I even had the CPO3O case. You could put them all in. But one of, the, one of the guys at my school was a buddy of mine that I run around with. He lived not too far, just like a block or two. He'd come over to my house and want to borrow my Star Wars men. And obviously at that age, you know, you're trying. I was about that time, I was about 12, 13. 
I was trying to, as teenagers do, especially at that age, tried to uh, make friends, be liked. So I gave him some of my Star Wars men. He's brand new. You know, the, the, each one of them had a little gun, a little lightsaber, had a, all the little accessories to them. And my parents told me, you better not do that. Better not do that. Don't do that. But he kept saying, he had this line, my uncle owns a toy store, and I will bring you some new ones. He has the biggest and the best, and I promise you he'll bring you the best and nicest and greatest. And I just kept, you know, I mean, he was chumming me. And I was easy to be chummed at that age especially. But after about three or four weeks, he never, he, he, nothing happened. Nothing, he didn't bring me anything. He just kept taking away from me. <laughs> and finally, Mom and Dad said, uh, son, you might want to go over to where he lives and actually get your stuff or you might never see it again. And finally, I think about a month went by, and I went over there, and I said, I forget even his name. I said, hey, where's my Star Wars stuff? Where's my, where's my action figures? And he had almost acted like he didn't know what I was talking to, and I think finally his mom saw what was going on, and he brought me what was left. Half of them were broken. Some of them were arms, legs, missing. Guns were missing. Lightsaber was missing. Stuff was missing. I was crying all the way home. And what lesson did I learn? That meant life isn't fair. But you know what? Dad didn't get, get mad, go over and try to whip his dad. <laughs> mom didn't call her mom. You know, what, you know what happened? They were teaching me a life lesson. And parents, it's good to teach your kids life lessons. Look for those opportunities to teach your kids, your teenagers, life lessons. That was a life lesson that I remember even to the day. That's why I'm telling you. That's why I'm telling you about it. I learned life isn't always fair. And life doesn't have to be fair. It doesn't have to be fair. But remember, he's under the sun. He's talking as someone who's going through struggles and problems and pain. And his, at the end of his life, he's looking back and he's seeing incidents has, that have happened. And he realizes that things don't always work out the way you want them to work out. And sometimes, you know, as a kid, you have parents, you maybe, and maybe even the parents don't do well. The great theologian Roger Dangerfield said, when I was a kid, my parents moved a lot but I always found them. <laughs> you see, we have this sense and realization that good people don't automatically win. Mm -mm. Innocent people sometimes get blamed. Guilty people don't always get caught. And the truth, and the truth is, that bothers us. Why? Because the Bible says in Romans chapter 2, verse 15, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the mean while accusing or else accusing one another. We have, given by God, a conscience. And that conscience can be warped now. But we have born within us a conscience that knows there's a right and wrong. Now again, that conscience over time can get warped and can go wrong. That's why you don't let the, your conscience be your guide. You let the Holy Spirit be your guide. Because your conscience can be wrong. It can be shaped. Because if you're, a bunch, if you're around a bunch of wrong, wrong people, before long, 
you, what you used to think was wrong, now you think is right. And you might that first or second time think, okay, it's okay, but before long, you'll start calling white black and black white. You'll start thinking wrong's right and right's wrong. <clears throat> Someone once said, our longing for justice is hardwired into the way we think or feel. I was uh, listening to a uh, kind of a Prager. I don't know if you guys listen to Prager U uh, videos. Uh, Dennis Prager, conservative voice, Jewish man, that's actually written some commentaries. I think he's written on, well, on Genesis, Exodus. I think he might be on Leviticus now. Interesting, not a Christian, but a very conservative Jewish man. He has this uh, video series called Prager U, and he talks about conservative topics. On that was a former sportscaster named Michelle DeFoya. Maybe you may have heard of her. Remember Al Michaels, Al, uh, uh, John Madden? She was, she was the lady who would come in, and she would interview uh, top sports figures. But uh, she gave, she gave a, a Prager U interview, or basically video, where she talked about how she grew up and all the things that happened in her life and how she saw some of the evils in the world. And instead of saying them and knowing it would hurt NBC, which she worked for, she decided to leave her job and, and start a podcast speaking about the issues of the day. Because she said, I can't stay silent. I have to speak. There's things that are happening I have to talk about. And, I, and I've been given uh, an audience and I want to talk about it. I'm thankful for people who are willing, even to sacrifice a well-paying job, which that was, to do what she believed was right. I read about a cold case. Some of you watch cold cases and, and things like that. I wrote about a cold case that finally got solved in the early 1960s. A young girl went missing from the streets of a small town in Illinois. Her body was found a few days later, leaving the family overcome with shock and grief naturally. Uh, along with a deep desire for justice, detectives would wind up listing over a hundred potential suspects, but none of them panned out. Among them was a 17-year-old young man in the neighborhood, but since his mother provided a rock-solid alibi that he had been with her on the evening of the question, he was never interviewed. Fifty-five years later, on her deathbed, his mother confessed that she lied. And it troubled her all those years. And now, at 17, this 17-year-old young man was now 72 years old. You never grow out, out, you might outgrow a lot of things, but you don't outgrow your DNA. And for all the friends, the evidence matched. He was sentenced to life for the rest of his life. And finally, he, they recognized that he did not get away with it. Justice was served. Solomon was bothered because things weren't the way he thought they should be. And dear friends, you and I should be bothered when things aren't the way they should be. It should bother you when you see injustice. It should bother you when you see things that are wrong. If it doesn't bother you, then something's wrong with you. I know it's easy in the midst of everything to say, well, oh well, this is the way it is. No, when, when wrong is wrong, it, sh it should bother us. So as we look into Solomon's uh, pretty much what God has been saying in his life, we learn what he's describing as, first of all, the problem. The problem. What is the problem? Well, we see in verse 16, I, and Moreover, I saw under the sun the place of judgment that wickedness was there. 
And the place of judgment is, of course, the, the courthouse, and, and the, the place where you think justice will be found. He said, I went to the courthouse, I went to the place of justice, and there wasn't justice found there. Can that happen? Can the jury get it wrong? Can the judge get it wrong? Yeah, they can, and sometimes they do. <laughs> the problem was in the courthouse, first of all. Often we think about lady, lady justice, lady justice. Think about her. She is blindfolded. She carries a set of balance scales, and she holds a sword. She's supposed to be impartial. Uh, she's, she's, she's blindfolded. She carries a, a balanced scale. She's, she's supposed to be, have a balanced view on everything, but she does carry a sword because there's supposed to be a judgment that happens. And we hope when we go into a courtroom, and I don't know how many of you guys have been jurors, so some of you have, I'm sure, that you hope that you see justice is done. And it's a tragedy when sometimes we hear that when justice is not done. I read another uh, cold case or a uh, criminal case where a guy by the name of, a guy became nicknamed the Golden State Killer was discovered. In the 1970s, this man would have burglarized 100 homes, molested 50 women, killed 13 people on terrible crime spree. Forty years later, DNA samples were sent to a genealogy-type organization by family members who wanted to find about their family tree. Something in the family's DNA pattern alerted a criminal database tied to the justice system which notified the authorities who were able to trace the crime scene DNA back to him. He was caught hiding in the family tree, but everyone's dismayed. This 70-year-old murderer had lived and served for years as a policeman. Someone who's supposed to have represented the law. The first problem was in the courthouse. The second problem was in God's house. Is there ever injustice or ever problems in God's house? Well, sure there is, because you know what the church is? It's a human institution. It's run by human beings. And you know what we are? We're sinners saved by grace. Each one of us are sinners saved by grace. There's none of us perfect. <laughs> We're here only by the grace of God. He goes on to say about this. He says, so the place of righteousness, iniquity was there. Should we compromise the truth to reach the lost? That's the, that's the question of the day. Should we downplay things? Should we get us a drum set and, and a small and a plastic pulpit or no pulpit and everybody just come in and dress how you are to reach the lost? That's the philosophy of some places, right? The, the methodology doesn't matter. All that matters is people get saved. But I believe if you read the Word of God, how you do things does matter. How we live, how we, how we are organized, there's order in the church, it does matter. So we see the prophecy. See, first of all, the problem, but second, secondly, the prophecy. It says in verse 17, and I, and I said in my heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked, for there's no time there for every purpose and for every work. Simply put, God has appointed time for judgment. It doesn't look like much is happening right now. It's just like the, everybody's doing what they want living how they want, but ultimately, justice will happen. Justice will happen. We have, to, we have to trust in that. We have to believe in that. 
Bible says in Acts chapter, Acts chapter 17, in verse 31, Because he hath appointed the day which he would judge the world and righteous by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance to all men, and that he hath raised him from the dead. Jesus said that his Father had given him the privilege of one day judging everything in human history, according to John chapter 5, verse 22. Did Solomon realize in this situation and where he was at that the justice and the judgment of God is coming? Well, he knew the, he knew the Old Testament. Remember the words of Abraham, should not the judge of all the earth do right? Yeah, he understood judgment. He understood judgment. Now, we can't see it maybe on our realm. We can't always see it maybe in the place that we, we live and we want more justice to be done. But trust me, everything will come to pass exactly what God said. Just like God said. Later on, of course, Moses would announce that God would now allow the guilty to go unpunished. Solomon really believed that. And we see that in verse 14. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or evil. Sounds like some verses we read last, last Sunday. When we stand before God, he will bring forth everything in our life, not the sins of our life because he's already paid for, but the deeds in our bodies, the Bible says in Corinthians, whether it be good or evil. What do we know about God? God will not have missed any sin or secret because he's omniscient. He's all-knowing. Nothing is going to get away. No, there's no hiding place from sin, folks. You, people think they got away with it. No, dear friend, no one gets away with anything. He's all-knowing. Secondly, God will not need witnesses because he's omnipresent. The devil is not omnipresent. He cannot be everywhere at the same time. But God can. He's omnipresent. He's not omnipresent. He was there and he saw every crime, discerned every motive. And thirdly, God does not need any assistance in carrying out his eternal verdict of justice because he's omnipotent. He is all-powerful. He has the ability to bring justice and judgment. He has the ability. He has the ability. So he's all-knowing, he's omnipresent, and he's omnipotent. He knows exactly what's going to happen when it happened, and he will always make it right. God is going to make the wrong right. He's always going to make the wrong right. And that be things and circumstances and situations in your life where you think, well, it's, it's not right, and there's no justice. And that seems to be what Solomon is saying. He's basically saying, I've searched the whole world over. Everything's upside down. The divine assembly are powerless to restore us. Life is unfair. Injustice seems to be on the throne. And truth seems to be beaten out and run out of town. That's what seems to be happening from a, from a, if you're just thinking it from a human perspective, even today. We think to ourselves, how can things be so out of sort? How can things be so bad in our country? But then we have to ask ourselves, isn't possibly all that we're going through part of God's will? Have you read the end of the book? I know you have because we did it here right here in this, in this, <laughs> right here in this, in this church house. We know that the end, even Paul said, that perilous times will come. Right? He says that. Perilous times will come. And he gives a, a list of things that actually happen during this time. And times of just wickedness and debauchery. 
So the things that we go through, the struggles that we go through, though we, we cry out injustice, we know that these things must come to pass for ultimately our world to be in chaos so the rapture will happen and the Antichrist will come. And that is the dual struggle. In the midst of this, we say injustice. Nobody cares. There's problems. There's peril. But the other side of it, you say, this is part of this is the plan of God. And I have to trust him in it. That's difficult, though, when, it's, when it affects us personally. I heard about a Christian organization that promised to build entire communities in a hurricane-devastated area, raising $500 million on that promise, only to be exposed later on having only six houses. I've told you over and over a couple of times about how when I was growing up, Jim Baker and Tammy Faye Baker were there on the TV set as I was watching my, eating my cornflakes, and they were singing their old gospel songs, and they promised to get us a, have us a place there in Charlotte, North Carolina, a Christian theme park, just for Christians to go, just for Christians. And if you'll give $1,000, each one of you, You'll have it for a lifetime. And my mom gave $3,000, one for me, one for my sister, and one for, the, and one for her, and, her dad, and my dad. You know how much we saw that $3,000? 36 cents. That's how much we got back of that $3,000. And he's still, he's still on TV today. How many people looked at that and say, crook? Yeah. But one of these days, friend, he's going to have his day of judgment. I'm not his judge. <laughs> These folks have done wrong. These folks have, who, who, who are on TV today. And man, you got to be careful who you listen to on the radio, who you watch on TV. You got to be very careful. Because they're, they're out there, and they're swindling, especially widows. They're out to take your last cent. And they're doing it. They're doing it. God, the righteous judge, We'll take care of us. And ultimately, at the end of all life, we have two choices. Either we will be guilty because we've lived a life of sin and we've said no to the grace of God, or we will be pardoned. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, is appointed a man once to die, and after this the judgment. For us who know God, that's going to be a wonderful day. To be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. How wonderful a day that's going to be. Yes, brother. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably a sand, clear cloth. Yeah. Probably so. That, hey, and that's happening all over. That same thing is what you're talking about. 
But your mom does, it's happening all over. And you know what a lot of that is? People do that. I'm not saying in your case, screw your mom, but a lot of people do that, especially when they're older, because of guilt. Because of guilt. They feel like they didn't do enough. And now they have a little extra money in their, in their later life. And they see somebody. And they have a, a need. And they give. And they promise that if they, if, if, if they give some money, they'll have a prayer cloth and they'll pray for it. They ain't pray for that cloth. You can, you can, you can Google that stuff and find all types of, uh, all kind of issues. I'm sure Brother Pete has, has covered that in the Sunday school class. That's why you have to be careful where you send your money in. That's why we have, that's why we believe, I'm not saying you don't ever support anybody, but primarily, what do I give my money through? The local church. Why do I, why do I say that? Oh, you say that preacher because you're the preacher and you say that? <laughs> No, I say that, folks, because people call me all the time, and I investigate them. Missionaries call me all the time. Preacher, would you send us money? I have people every day, almost every day of my life, texting me, wanting to, wanting to know more about our ministry, wanting us to give towards this orphanage. And you know what? Unless they come here and candidate, I'm not going to send them money. Because I don't know who they are. They could be, they could say they're one thing and, they're, and say they're nothing. Be totally, they could send me pictures of something, pictures they found sent on the internet and say, okay, send this, send this money to this. What's going on? And sometimes it's just a miscommunication, lost email. That does happen. But we want to know that the money, because it's the Lord's money. You're not giving it to men. You're giving us unto the God and to God. That's why we're careful, and I'm careful, to screen the people that we have to come to speak and the people we have on that missions board back there. Very careful. Not, we just anybody calls me up and says, "Hey, I want to come preach, and I want you guys to support it." No, probably like ninety percent of those you never even hear about. I know we got off the subject a little bit, but it's 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 good. It's good. I appreciate the question. But dear friend, all those folks that are are fake, it's all going. They're all going to get. They're all going to. They're all going to get judged one of these days. I cannot imagine the judgment for somebody who says he's a Christian and wants to raise money for Christian things and where it be an orphanage or a nursery or to help somebody, and they're just basically pagans looking for a way to use the name of Jesus. I can't even imagine the judgment waiting for those folks. I would not want to stand before those folks when they, when, when they meet God. I would not want to be in their shoes at all. But you know what happens. You know what happens. But the dear friend, just guarantee you, God's going to make everything right. God's going to make everything right. I close with an illustration. Paul Harvey illustrated this point when he told about a man by the name of Gary Tyndall who was charged with robbery. While standing in the California courtroom of Judge Rodriguez, Tyndall asked permission to go to the restroom. The judge said, sure. So Tyndall was escorted upstairs and went to the bathroom or pretended to go to the bathroom, but then he tried to sneak out. He determined to climb up this exterior plumbing 
He opened a pen on the ceiling, crawled through the space, crawled some, crawled some about 30 feet, and he got to a place, and he fell from that ceiling, and he fell right back into the courtroom. He thought he was getting away. He landed the same spot he was at. <laughs> the Bible's true. Be sure your sin will find you out. There's no way, there's no way getting, getting around God. Hey, there's, there's no hide, 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 and hide and spot from God. Best way to be is be open and honest with God. And when we do sin, confess our sins. The Bible says, confess your sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Be honest. Be honest. Be true. Be transparent and have short sin accounts with God. Don't focus on the injustice of people out there and say, well, they do wrong, so I'm going to do wrong. No, no, no. That's a wrong way to think. Focus on your relationship with God and on a regular basis. Between, between you and the Holy Spirit, say, am I, am I clean? Is everything okay? Is there any wicked way in me? Am I right with my brother? Am I right with my wife? Am I right with my children? Am I right? Be clean. Be righteous. Don't worry about the world. Their judgment's coming. Focus on ourselves. And may, us, may we as Christians choose every day to be clean, not by our own righteousness, but by the righteousness of Christ. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you, Lord, that you are the judge and everything, everything will be judged and you will bring justice to that world. Oh, this world is so, uh, there's so many ills and problems. And if, if we just knew the ills and injustices in this city alone, we would probably go mad. And I can't imagine in the state of Florida, and I can't imagine the country of the United States, and I can't imagine the world the troubles and trials and problems and injustices that are done on a regular basis. But God, in your mercy, in your kindness, you have not brought, just, brought judgment yet, but you, that judgment day is coming. You show mercy, you show grace, you show long-suffering, but we know that judgment day is coming. I pray for us as we here today, first of all, know Christ is our Savior, and secondly, by the grace of God, we are living right with God. 